Hello everyone, welcome to the Lighthouse Church Sermon Broadcast. The title of our message today is Love, Unity and Community. When we think of Jesus' last commands, we often think of the Great Commission. This is an extremely important command because it puts us on the same mission that Jesus came to earth on, to seek and to save the lost. But Jesus also gave us another vitally important command. It's recorded in John chapter 13, verses 34 and 35. I'll read all texts from the New International Version. A new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. As Jesus reached the end of his time on earth, he gave his disciples this new command, to love one another in the same way that he loved them. As his disciples, they were to love like he loves. This love would show everyone that they were his disciples. This kind of love would be the defining mark of his disciples. So the church of Jesus Christ is to be a community that demonstrates the same remarkable love that Jesus demonstrated. And Jesus didn't leave his disciples guessing about what this love looks like. As he continued to speak to them, he described this love. John chapter 15, verses 12 and 13. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. We live in a world today that is very confused about love. Love is portrayed in many different ways. Some see love as attraction, like the, that proverbial love at first sight. Others see it as desire or need, like I want you forever in my life, or I can't imagine living without you. Love is even confused with lust. So Jesus gave us a powerful picture of what love really is. It is to lay down our lives for others. True love, Jesus' love, causes us to put those we love above and before ourselves. It causes us to make sacrifices for them. And in its ultimate expression, it causes us to lay down our lives for them. This is how Jesus commands his disciples to love one another. We are to put one another before ourselves. We are to willingly make sacrifices for the good of one another. This is how Jesus loves us. And this is how we are to love one another. 1 John chapter 3 and verse 16. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. I can see two reasons why our love for one another is so important to Jesus. Firstly, when we love like Jesus, 
we represent him more properly to those around us. Jesus said that this love would show others that we are his disciples. In other words, when we love like Jesus, we give them a better picture of who Jesus is, of the love of Jesus. They can see how Jesus loves and therefore they can see how he loves them. And when we represent Jesus well to people, they are drawn to him. I recently read a testimony of a man who was very far from God. But he turned to Jesus because someone showed him Jesus-like love. We should never underestimate the power of the love of God being demonstrated. Secondly, when we love like Jesus, we can live in harmony with one another. We can live in unity. Now, the church is described as the body of Christ, with all of us being parts of this body. If we are to be the body of Christ on earth, then we have to work together in harmony, each one doing their work for the greater good. When parts of the body refuse to do their work, the body gets unhealthy, even disabled. When parts of the body fight with one another, the same thing happens. When we love like Jesus, we do our work, even when it's inconvenient, or hard work, or costly. I want to commend those who are serving Jesus and his church faithfully, even when it's hard, even when it costs you. In different ways, you have laid down your lives for us. You have loved us like Jesus. And the church is healthier because of this. When we love like Jesus, we work together. Even if we see some things differently or if we misunderstand each other. I want to commend those who have continued to work together with people who may have offended you or hurt you in some way. You have laid down your offense or hurt for their good and for our good. You have loved us like Jesus. I also want to celebrate the ways that we have been able to work together with other churches, other denominations, other movements. We may not agree on all matters of doctrine or practice, but when we work together, we display something of the love of Jesus. Friends, love and unity in the church are so important to Jesus. As he faced the cross, he prayed for his disciples. And then he prayed for the church to come, which includes us. His prayer was that we too would live in loving unity. Listen to his prayer recorded in John chapter 17 from verse 20. My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one. 
I in them and you in me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. Jesus wants to see a church that loves like him. A church that is a loving, united community. The description of the early church in Acts chapter 2 indicates that this prayer was indeed answered. Acts chapter 2 from verse 42. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. The early church was a loving, united community. Their devotion to Jesus was expressed in their lifestyle as they obeyed his command to love one another as he had loved them. So they welcomed one another into their homes. They gave freely and sacrificially to help those in need. And what was the result? They enjoyed the favor of all the people. People could see the love and the goodness of God. The church was such a blessing to the community. And new people put their faith in Jesus daily. People could see Jesus through his body, the church. They could see the reality of his love and they put their faith in him. The gospel was not just being preached. It was being demonstrated. But sadly, this unity did not last forever. There is only one body of Christ, and we are all part of that one body. Yet, we can be so easily divided. Today, we see a tragic degree of disunity in the church. But disunity had crept in long before that. James observed this problem in the church of his time. And he also identified the cause of this disunity. Listen to James chapter 4 from verse 1. What causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? You desire, but do not have, so you kill. You covet, but you cannot get what you want, so you quarrel and fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. When you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. Here James observes that the love and the unity in the church was being eroded. And it was being eroded by unresolved conflicts between the members. As he looked deeper, he saw the root of the problem. It's selfishness. The conflicts and the divisions were being caused by selfish desires that had not been laid down. 
The people were not laying down their own desires for the sake of Jesus and his church. And when we realize the gravity of this problem, it helps us to understand why Jesus insisted that every disciple of his laid down their life. Matthew chapter 16 and verse 24. Jesus said to his disciples, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. Friends, you and I cannot be true disciples of Jesus unless we deny ourselves, completely surrendering our own agendas. Jesus likened this surrender to taking up a cross. If you took up a cross, you were going to be crucified on it. Your life was over. And this is the same kind of decision that we must make if we are going to follow Jesus. Life as we knew it is over. We are no longer in charge. Jesus is. We are now going to live His way, not our way. But sadly, many people have heard the gospel, but not the call of Jesus to deny themselves, to take up the cross, and to follow Him. So we have many unsurrendered people in the church. We know about the love of God and salvation through the cross, but we have not surrendered our lives to Jesus. We may say and sing that Jesus is Lord, but truth be told, we think and we live as if we are still in charge of our lives. So when we don't like something in the church, we grumble. We may refuse to serve with some people because we don't like them. We may even leave the church because our needs aren't being met, as if the church is all about us. We are still at the center of our lives, not Jesus. So as James wrote, we quarrel and we fight. We cause division in the church because we want our own will to be done. We won't lay it down. Friends, if we want to obey Jesus' command and fulfill his prayer, if we want to be a church that loves like Jesus, if we want to be a church that is united, then we need to lay down our lives, first for Jesus, then for one another. We need to surrender our personal preferences and our desires. We need to pick up our cross so that the selfishness that causes division can be crucified on it. If we do this, friends, we will find ourselves able to love like Jesus. We will find ourselves able to overlook offenses and to put the needs of others before our own. The church will get stronger and it will be a greater blessing to our communities. And we will see more people deciding to follow Jesus. I close on a practical note. If we want to experience this loving community that Jesus commanded and prayed for, then we are going to have to commit 
to spending time together regularly. Acts chapter 2 records that the disciples were devoted to fellowship. Now we use the word fellowship quite broadly today. It can mean as little as attending a meeting or having a cup of coffee after church. But the word used in Acts, kononia, speaks of partnership, of shared life. We cannot love like Jesus loves without entering into the world of other people. So love, unity and community are demonstrated and experienced when we are together. Not just at Sunday meetings, but at other gatherings too. In homes, as well as in public places. This takes time and effort. So I think it's helpful to consider how Jesus engaged with his disciples. Think about this. There were times when Jesus was part of big groups. He taught to gathered crowds. Then there were times when he was just with his 12 apostles. In those times, he spoke far more personally and he explained things that they were battling to understand. Things were much deeper, much closer there. And then there were times when he was with just three, his closest disciples, Peter, James and John. Now, I think most of us are used to meeting weekly as a big group. But if you and I want to enjoy a deeper experience of loving community, we need to meet with people in smaller groups too. Smaller groups are where everyone has a voice, where everyone is noticed, where everyone can participate in a significant way. Small groups are where we can love and be loved where we can help each other to grow as disciples of Jesus. And if we want to experience the deepest levels of community, we are most likely to find that when we spend time in twos, threes or fours. As our relationships deepen and trust grows, we can deal with the the deepest matters of our hearts and our lives. Is this difficult? Yes! We have to overcome significant obstacles to make this happen. Is this hard work? Yes. We have to persist, showing up when we're tired, trying again after we've failed. We will have to lay down some personal preferences and pay some prices to make this happen. But this is the way of love. It's the way of the cross. So let's take up our crosses and love like Jesus. Our loving, united communities will demonstrate the love of God to those around us, and we will see many lives rescued and transformed. May that be so. Amen.